Welcome to episode 739 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 739 of I Am Talk with Coach John Yusman, Bevan James. Oz, how you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan, although slightly concerned because just before I came up, I had to watch a YouTube clip. You know you got those forced ads at the beginning, you can't skip the yeah. first few seconds. Yeah. The intro was, if you're running, you're just making yourself fat. I hate that. <laughs> it's like, oh. I hate, I hate any fitness professional who craps on any movement. Mm. You know what I mean? I get that you can argue certain things are certain. The, yeah. the key thing is, if no, someone no. loves a movement, yeah. you know, like when, so, like when someone shits on CrossFit, people love CrossFit. When someone shits on running, it's like, what an idiot. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, John, so, so you're hearing this little crumple here today, team. We've got technical problems today. I basically have to be stiff candles. Stiff candles. Because I can't move my cable and it's making a horrible noise. I'm going to have to buy a new microphone, I think. So if there are little crinkles today, I'm sorry. I'm trying not to move. Um, John, I'm talking proudly brought to you by our fantastic patrons. Uh, let's start with Colin the Convict Belansky, Jeremy's special agent Ryan, and we've got Simon the Pace Setter. Nice. <laughs> John, I really can't move. It's going to do my head in. Okay, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got an age group of the week. Uh, John's history lesson. We have. We're final round of the Olympics. So 2016 in Rio was our last Olympics. And what do we got? Probably about eight months till the next one, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, Wing of the week, John's swim set. Well, that's, that has an official title, does it? Yeah, it? Uh, popular, backed by popular demand. Uh, good old Terry was saying he's been loving it. He's so. loving it. Yep. And then some questions and answers at the end. Jombo, we had a couple of uh, races happen in the time that we were away, and the big race was Ironman Cairns. Uh, uh, only 221 age group starters. And, yeah, we were talking about this um, last week, and, yes, yeah, so this is the first pro iron distance race since COVID, I think. Certainly Ironman one. Uh, oh, no, since COVID sort of kicked off. New oh, Zealand since, happened okay. in March, but since then, um, there may have been, uh, you know, there has been some iron distance races, but this was the first time round for the pros. So Cairns is in Queensland, as we sort of mentioned um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the, cha- the challenge for the age groupers and the pros was Australia has got different lockdowns um, around the, the country, so it was, travelling was always going to be a, a challenge. And then just thinking, is this race even going to be on? Am I going to train for it? And so on. So, yeah, not many on the start line. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I know Melbourne's kind of locked down, and I'm not quite sure about the state between state. But you thought more than 220 people would have done it. Well, funny thing is, and I may have mentioned this last week, we recorded two weeks ago, so maybe I didn't. But apparently Tim Burkle and Tim Reid, who both raced in the, yep. pro, in the pro race, they coming up they live just across the border from Queensland I think um, I think Tim Reid lives in Byron Bay which I think is just in New South Wales and it's like you can drive across the border it's yeah. a matter of minutes away and but he still had to do a two week quarantine to get across the border oh really and the funniest thing was apparently they did 13 days and this is just, I just heard this from somebody so it may not be fact apparently they did 13 days and then on the 14th day the quarantine rules changed and they didn't oh. have to quarantine oh. anymore so bad luck for them but yeah, they got to race anyway so it was very much a Queensland and Australian based um, but you would have field. thought in Queensland there's more than 220 people who want to do an Ironman yeah but if if you're in a lockdown somewhere and you're going I'm going to do an Ironman 
is it really going to be on? Is it going to be on? Yeah, Do true. you want to put the Good big point. effort in uh, and then risk it not happening? A, putting your money forward and not getting that back, and B, putting in all the, the huge effort. Um, so anyway, thing, no one wants to put money on a race right now, do they? No, no. You know, late entries is going to be a big thing moving forward until mm. we've got some certainty. Exactly. So um, normally this race is held in June, the first weekend of June, where the weather conditions are quite different. Um, so what they did here, and I got some feedback from our guest on last week's show, Chloe. She, she was, and I didn't realise this at the time, um, they allowed wetsuits to be legal uh, because it was 27 degrees centigrade in the water for Americans. That's bloody warm. That's yep. I'm pretty sure that's about what Kona is. Um, but they allowed wetsuits because of the um, the jellyfish issues they have over oh, there. Okay. And if you get stung like crazy, you're in all sorts of bother. So wetsuits were allowed, which caused quite a bit of difficulty um, because you just bake in those things. A few years ago, we had an Olympic distance race that I organised here and the temperature was right on the cutoff. First time ever we've had this issue. What's the temperature normally? It's allowed to be 23 degrees. Well, this is oh, so 27's. 27's real warm. And a witty. Yeah, and, uh, and it was 23, and it was right on, and on the day it was like 0.1 below the threshold, so wetsuits were allowed. People got out of the swim, and they said that was not particularly pleasant, and that no. was at 23 degrees. 27 would have been baking and apparently the age groupers were suffering coming out of the swim. It was also a very hot day, different time of the year, plus they changed the course um, just because of different you know, numbers and obviously to keep it a bit more contained so that the times are quite a bit slower than normal, especially on the bike. Uh, but anyway, we had a good little quality field, some, some good athletes there. You had Tim Reid, who's been a former 70.3 world champion, won Ironman races, Josh Amberger, Tim Van Berkel, Max Newman, amongst others. Um, Max Newman, who I don't know a great deal about, took it out with a good strong run. He ran a 2.50 after riding 4.33 and swimming 45.42 for an 8.13 to win by a um, couple of minutes over Tim Burkle and another couple of minutes back to Josh Amberger and then about uh, 13 minutes or so back to Tim Reid who blew up a bit on the run by the look of it only did a 3.08 so that was your, your top four and you know um, there's some quality athletes there so good on them and then on the female side uh, it was sounded like a pretty interesting race because uh, we ended up with a Kiwi victor uh, Amelia Watkinson in her second only Ironman. She swam 53, rode a 501 and ran a 3.22 to just beat out Sarah Crowley by a couple of minutes. Uh, and then in third place we had Renee Kylie. But the, the Was Amelia the one who won it last year? No, that's only a second Ironman. Uh, I can't recall who won it last was it, year. It was the um, Kiwi girl who's won it twice, wasn't it? Uh, I, just, I, just, I can't remember who won who's it last doctor? year. Who's the doctor? What's the doctor's name? Hannah Wells wasn't it Hannah? no no oh. you can do your research I, I can't remember who won it last year I, I'd imagine it would have maybe been Sarah Crowley I'm not sure but anyway uh, the story of the race was Sarah Crowley got a, dra- a drafting infringement the those females were riding together and then um, apparently Sarah, Sarah put the hammer down in the closing stages of the bike got her five minutes back she got a five minute lead coming off uh, the bike and it sounded like it was pretty much exactly five minutes so they still um, started the run together uh, she gassed at the beginning of the run uh, and then sort of blew up a bit probably paying for going out a bit too quick and also having to smash the, the latter stages of the of the um, the bike ride um, so Amelia Watkinson came through only ran a 322 it was very very hot but uh, takes the win Teresa Adam 
Theresa Adam. Yeah, good. she did win oh, it. Yep. Yeah, yep. I think she won it the year before as well. Oh, yeah, I think you're right there. Yeah. Yeah, Sarah Crowley got second last year. And I saw a little bit of stuff on Wits Up. So that's the females um, sort of... What's triathlon it? focused. Yeah, triathlon focused um, website, Australian based. And they did a little interview... Um, with Belinda Granger. When Belinda Granger's interviewing, she's doing a lot of talking. She's great. I <laughs> love Belinda. Great. I was in the Coro Club. When was that? Just before lockdown, actually. Um, just Oh, it must have been just before Wanaka. I was yeah. just in the Coro Club one day, and her and uh, Ian Scott were there, and I had a good yarn yeah. to her. She's great. I love you. She's such a cool chick. Um, anyway, she was having a chat to Amelia Watkinson, and like they were just sort of talking about how pros are stri- really, really struggling. Oh, really? Especially the second-tier pros. Yeah. Who, and, and Amelia now is very much verging on that f- top tier. You know, she won a 70.3 last weekend. Very, very competitive. I think she was in the top 10. At Sarah Crowley's a pretty Worlds. decent athlete. Sarah Crowley's been podium in Kona a couple of times, won most of the major championship races. Um, so it's more the likes of Amelia who maybe the coming through athletes. Mm. They've got no income. You know, it's like because you've got no prize money, sponsors are probably running scared, and it's just like nothing. And, well, and along course athletes get no support from national federations. That's an interesting discussion around sport in general, isn't it? Because like you look at the Australian rugby team this week got announced that they've lost their twenty-year sponsorship with uh, Qantas, mm. and you can understand why Qantas must be you know just polit- like losing money like crazy because of the COVID. A lot of sport is based on sponsorship, mm. you know, and a lot of businesses are struggling right now. What's the first thing you're going to drop? It's your sponsorship dollar, exactly. and especially for these second and third-tier pros, you know they. A lot of the time, it's just they you know someone who's helping them out, getting mm. them a bit of a leg up into their career, and you know if they do well, they can build into something bigger. But oh, I don't know, it'd be a pretty tough game. Like Amelia won what six US, so maybe ten k New Zealand. Able to be less than that. Quick. Yeah, that ain't giving you years worth of living, is it? No. So good on her for going out, and she's she's performed. You know, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, seventy point three, won that, beating Sarah Crowley as well there. So at least you have a little bit of money in the bank. Well, she. I'm sure she won't have it yet, um, but at least coming her way. So good on her and good to have the Kiwi victory. Um, now, with the age group race, as Bevan said, there was only about 220 finishes. Lots of people going to Kona. Lots of people going to Kona. They kept the 75 slots. This was supposed to be a, re- was a regional championship. They kept the 75 slots. Oh, it was a regional championship. That is uh, crazy. So I thought, I'll have a quick, let's have a look at a couple of uh, age groups. And I thought, I'll look at the 45 to 49 men. Um, 10-21 won it. Oh, geez, it was only four seconds in it. Wow. Um, so it was relatively tight racing, but in that age group, I'd probably be saying there's um, maybe four to f- maybe five slots. Oh, and old old Marshall Scott, Mark Road took it out, but he he took him in the run. Yeah. Oh, Marshall Scott. Four o two versus yeah. three thirty three. Oh. But you know, qualifying for Kona with a ten twenty one in the forty five to forty nine age group. I had a look also at my age group, the men's forty to forty four, and that was one guy. Let me just pull it up here. Um, Ryan Miller took that out pretty impressive 903 in very hot conditions That's also solid. one thing we I don't know if you talked about this I was, kind of off, I was distracted before but um, the course was changed this year did you yep, talk about that? talked about that okay great um, but so he, it was a slower course he won the age group uh, he did win 903 won by 42 minutes that is a dojo domination and again I'd probably say the I'm guessing there's probably four slots in this age group maybe three um, but in fourth place 1020 so 40 to 44 age groups, 10, 20 is generally not going to qualify you anywhere. So you've got to be into one and uh, good on those guys that get their ticket to Kona. But uh, that will be one of the easiest places you'll ever get to qualify. 
Good work. Okay, well, the Professionals Triathlete Organisation have announced that Challenge Daytona have, will be announcing their wild card slots for the 2020 Championship, uh, which will be awarded on the 12th of October. They're just saying that this race is an incredible opportunity for the world's top triathletes to finally race and compete for a million dollars US in prize purse. The top 40 men and top 30 women in the PTO World Rankings as of either the 1st of January 2020 or the 1st of March uh, 2020 will be automatically qualified for the event. In addition, the non-athletes PTO board members will select 20 additional wildcard slots comprised of 10 men and 10 women. Interesting to see who they give those to. I think they'll get, they'll mainly go to short, to you? short course guys that have, that have dabbled in long course stuff. So thinking, I had a quick scan through the list. I'm not sure if the Norwegians um, made that. People like Christian Blumenfeld mm. um, and Gustav Eden, although he's probably in there because he won the um, world championships. So I th- you'd imagine that's where they'll go. And if the and the other ones they'll look at is if people were injured for long periods last year um, and have shown that they can be a contender. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be awesome. A million dollars on the on the on the line. Um, what, what's, what's, I can't remember the distance. Is it a half? It's or a four? half. Okay, uh, it's going to be held the first weekend of December, so fourth to sixth of December. It's at Daytona. So what I'm hoping, I haven't really seen much footage of this race in the past, other than just a little fixed camera. You'd think they're going to be able to hopefully have some good um, footage, and you know, with, with multiple laps, uh, should be able to see what's going on fairly well, even with a limited number of cameras. Uh, so it's going to be awesome. Um, so the announcement for the the wildcard slots is going to be in the week of the 12th of October so next week I guess the other thing to factor in you know, out of those 10 additional slots they're going to take um, for males and females is whether people want to put their name in the hat with, for, for travelling and stuff you know it's a lot of effort to, to to make your way over there from say Europe or okay make your prediction how, how good do you think the field's going to be you think rock stars all the way or do you think oh, I would th- oh you'd think so well, you, with, you, well for a million bucks yeah is Yang going to be there I, I don't know, but you'd think so. It's also PTO backed, mm. so you know they're all on board. The only thing, you know, if you were sitting here and you were say somebody who's likely to finish somewhere between thirty and fifty, are you going to put that big big effort into go and, and do it? Well, the question is, it's a million dollar prize purse. Have they shown us how they're going to distribute? I it? have, but I haven't got that in front of me right okay. now. And it's, it's it's a nice spread, paying but, deep. But still, if you're pay, if you're travelling from. Like it's pointless if you're going from New Zealand uh, and you're going to head over there. When you come back, you got to spend a three grand New Zealand uh, in quarantine. When you come back, a couple of grand on airfares. That's five. You're mm-hmm. probably going to have to finish pretty high up to get foot to to do that. So I think it will be a North American um, dominated field. Then you'll have the rock stars that you know, the guys that really back themselves for being in the top sort of ten to fifteen to make it worth their while. But it's going to be, nice be awesome. a race where the rock stars are there. Sorry. This is the first oh, time this year. It's going to be great. First time in 2020, yeah. in December the 4th, yeah. and the 6th, you know, that weekend of then, we're going to see the first race of all the rock stars turning up. We have had rock stars racing elsewhere in the world. Uh, good old Gomez. That, was a, good, out, that was a good, that was a nice transition. Yeah, but Gomez uh, took out the Spanish middle distance race, and I'm not sure if it's his wife or his girlfriend, I'm not sure if they're married, but Anika Jenkins, who's actually a Kiwi, um, won the female's Division, but she's not Spanish, so Laura Gomez actually took that out. Interesting thing about this race was James um, Teague, after some initial confusion on placing, was awarded third place. James made headlines the weekend before last alongside Diego Mentrida from Spain. When and lots of you guys will have seen this on social media. Um, when Diego's showing of great sportsmanship let James pass him to finish for third place uh, in a race after James took a wrong turn. So some of you may have seen this. The race I'm talking about was going crazy on on 
just general news channels as well as sort of triathlon channels they were coming into the finish of a race there was like a u-turn to run down to the finish line and one of these guys which was obviously uh james he kind of just went straight these guys were running shoulder to shoulder and and the other guy pulled the u-turn and then he stopped at the finish line and let james come through and take third place and he goes well the guy was in front of me all day he was gonna beat me and he just went the wrong way so he should finish so that was a how do you feel about that john because um it's good sportsmanship. It is good sportsmanship. Would you do it? Uh, in all honesty, probably not. <laughs> I just, I, I just probably keep going. And and um, yeah, I've had one incident like that in the past where somebody I was running with, uh, good old Axel. Um, we were a little bit out from the finish. We were coming towards it though, and the, the pace was right on. And he sort of um, stumbled and put his foot down. I think a little hole. I did slow up, but to give him a chance to get back on, but he gave up the ghost. So, Bevan, what would you do? I probably wouldn't be that aware. Yeah, that's the thing. I would have pulled the U-turn and I would have had my eyes on the bloody finish line. Yeah, totally. Go for it. Um, you, you, you know, in theory, you're kind of, but maybe... If it, was, if it wasn't... Depends it, on the event at all. Kona, screw them. Yeah. Know, like, <laughs> but if it's just something like a local race, you, maybe. If it, if it was a, a marshal doing yeah. directing, if they got directed off course, then I'd definitely wait. But if it was a complete athlete error... But like in the tour... There's that thing if someone crashes, you're going to wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so the different sports do have these kind of strange etiquettes. Mm. Oh, John, the tour. Were you happy with the ending? Yeah, it was great. I think we, we, oh, we've, I think that. we've, we've talked we've about that. Yeah, we, yeah. Um, we also had the Outlaw X um, in England. Uh, so the Battle of the Brits in Thorsby Park. Uh, I love this press release. Typical cold British conditions. <laughs> after a Gloomy sudden, England. They had a sudden drop in temperature. The swim got sh- cut to 750 metres. Um, and we ended up having in that race... Um, we had Tim Don was racing, George Goodwin, and and then on the female side we had good old Nikki Bartlett who we had on the, the show fairly recently, and in the end Don uh, Goodwin took the win ahead of uh, Tim Don and Tim Davis who battled out for second and third with Davis uh, just finishing in front of Tim Don, and then on the female side of things Katrina Matthews um, beat off Nikki Bartlett and Fenella Langridge. So lots of racing going on. We also had Cozumel seventy point three. Yeah, so Sam Long took it out. I was in the showers, John, this morning, John, just before okay, you turn off. I, right, I, I get up, I do a class, I do a core workout, come home, do my prep for the show. Then I have a shower because I want to yeah. be good for you. Um, and I was thinking to myself, I was thinking about Melina, and I was thinking about how, you know, the, the big four. Do you think if America had still been dominant in the pro ranks, because in particular in Ironman, but realistically, when was the last time dominant America dominant in the sport? Um, females, females, uh, males. And you had Tim DeBoom, and I mean, you've got you've got guys now that are competitive but not dominating. Tim DeBoom was probably the last dominator. Do you think the sport would be bigger if they had? I, th- I don't know. Americans probably. I think it'd be. It's really hard to break through an American sport. You know, even if they did have a, a dominator, that yeah, but when they had the, the odd four, cover. yeah, but that was a different era. For an American, for a, for a triathlete, Gwen Jorgensen, I think, got some pretty good mileage. Like, yep. you know, she might be on covers and things like that, but she was absolutely crushing it. So you would need to get somebody like a Mark Allen or Dave Scott. Or Yarn. Yep. If Yarn was American, because let's be honest, rock stars bring people to a sport. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like rock stars, you think of sports that you have no interest in, but then you know the rock star, mm. and it can often open people up to it. And in the American market, you know, like triathlon's a big enough sport, don't get me wrong, but I was just thinking if, if, if 
that kind of 90s period when the Americans stopped dominating so much. And sure, you had Tim DeBoom, but really mm. the late 90s was kind of when the rest of the world took over. And since then, the Americans haven't come along. Would the sport be bigger if there had been just that continued dominance of like a Mark Allen level kind of athlete? Oh, you would think so. I mean, you look at Great Britain, they're smoking it. That's off the heels of yeah, the Brownlees plus a lot of investment. Same thing with Spain, though. They've just got they've got a production line coming through yeah. now from Gomez, Mola, and then they've got plenty of young guys coming through. So yeah, success breeds success, and also and exposure, um, exposure, and exposure brings people to the and sport. And also funding from your national federation mm. is that sort of sort of a bit of a snowball. So he cost seventy point three. Sam Long took it out. Yeah, second race in a row that he's won. He won that uh, the Bear Lake Brawl a few weeks ago, uh, and did it just. Banked it on the bike again, rode a 158.24. Um, the second fastest time was Tyler Butterfield, who was six minutes slower on the bike. Actually, no, there was a couple of guys that rode 203, Matt Hansen uh, as well. So he took it out by uh, just over a minute from Tyler Butterfield. Um, so good on him. He's absolutely on fire at the moment. And then Holly, Holly Lawrence, Lawrence uh, wasn't a dojo domination, but she won by 10 minutes over Romina Bigoli from Argentina so Cosmo 70.3 and then the last um, PTO supported event we had at the weekend was uh, the Huntington Triathlon this was only Olympic distance but thought I'd better bring it up because we had Justin Metzler take out the men's race who we had on the show fairly recently and his wife uh, Jenny Seymour uh, took out the females race and I know when we spoke to her she, Dustin was on fire and it sounded like um, Jenny had been sort of struggling a bit through um, lockdown and yep. so good to see her back on top she won by 23 seconds in front of Meredith Kessler and she did that on the run nice work okay so one thing John's been noticing recently is that the ITU athletes are going fast they are indeed especially in the run John mm. however last weekend I think it was last weekend or the weekend before I saw Anne Haug our current Ironman female world champion ran a 33.06 in the Berlin 10k that's pretty fast mm-hmm. that's extremely competitive with what the top ITU females are doing right now so uh, should should no doubt get smoked in the swim a bit and we saw that in the Super League but her running is still on par with the best. Okay so what would the best females in ITU do? I'd be right right around that so she would be right up there with the best. Uh, I can't think they'd be going much quicker than that yeah we saw some of them running uh sort of 16 flat i seem to recall for 5k so you know that equates to about a 33 10k so So one thing uh i actually heard this on radio new zealand did you hear this on radio new zealand yesterday hayden wild is aiming to beat new zealand one hour record which is actually not that fast not that far so he's 20k and 119 meters yeah but the half marathon record is about 56 minutes yeah, well, those Zane Roberts yeah, and the yeah. brothers got that. So, yeah, this this record was held by um, Bill Bailey, who was a great runner in 1963, he said it. Um, so if Hayden Wild can do that, good on him. He's got to run, basically run three-minute Ks for, for an hour, just a, a fraction quicker than three-minute Ks, which is more or less what they did at the London Marathon at the weekend. And it was interesting. Is London Marathon, Kipchoge got beaten for a change. Miserable weather conditions. And, and he wasn't like, really even in it, was he? He faded away. Well, he's, he's, yeah, it just sounded like a multi-lap race and he just wasn't in it. So there's, there's, every dog has his day. Every and like Yarnfordino, going to win everything. but Until you don't. 
Till you don't. Until you don't, John. Uh, also, just lastly, in a kind of random piece of news, is Adam Henson is going to be focusing on Iron Man. He's a cyclist. Uh, tell me about him, John. I don't know nothing about him. Yeah, so he's he's not a like a Grand Tour winner or anything like that, but he's been a pro for a long time. Uh, and Melina sent this through. I also saw it as well. Uh, it's on, it was on Cycling News. He has done. Adam Henson has done uh, one. Iron distance race. He did Ironman Florida last year and he swam a one hour, so that's not too shabby for somebody who's not a swimmer and probably maybe hasn't dedicated that much time to it. He rode a 4.15, which sounds really quick, but he actually got smoked on the bike by um, the likes of Starkowitz and ran a 3.37 for a 9.05. So I'm not sure how seriously he took that. It's not a bad start, but he's not going to be troubling the scorers too much when um, the top guys there, if we look at the top dudes, I think Joe Skipper took that out. Uh, he did. He went uh, 7.46, so he's an hour 20 behind Joe Skipper. Yeah. And Joe Skipper rode a 4.05, so 10 minutes quicker. So it might be interesting. We've seen a few come and go. Andrew Talansky, haven't seen what he's been, been up to. Um, but apparently uh, Adam Hansen's going to go and do Ironman Portugal, and he wants to try to get to the Ironman World Champs. So look out for some potentially fast bike times. It's a big week, John. It's a big week, and uh, it's a big week because it's the uh, IM Talk World Championships Half Ironman Simulation. It is. <laughs> and also for those of that people, the Ironman have got something they're doing as well. But more <laughs> importantly, John, what's happening? And um, I'm fascinated. Yeah, well, you're, hopefully you're fit as well as fascinated. Well, John, <laughs> my prep has included two runs. Two runs? No swimming. No swimming. I think it's going to take about 40 minutes to do 2K. How many laps is 2K? It's uh, two. It depends what length the pool you do, but well, it's actually 1.9K, so you get 100 metres off. Yes. So happy about that, John. Yeah, four lengths every hundred. I think so the last time I went for a swim, probably a year ago. Nice. Yep. And, oh, I, and that's probably a year since the last swim. So in the last three years, I've probably done two swims. And then you got to do ninety k's on the the indoor trainer. Ain't gonna pass. How uh, long did that take me? Uh, you go pretty quick on 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 Swift, so I'd say you'll probably be. I don't think I'll be pushing it, but... Yeah, you probably be two hours 40, something like that, I'd imagine. Yeah, I think I'll just kind of get it done. I'm hoping you've got another... Have you got any fans around your place? Because we could do with a got couple a fan. of fans. I've got my fan in my office. Good, we need some fans. I've yeah. only got one, and it's not a heavy-duty one. Mine's not heavy-duty either, but it's a fan. We need something. We need a bit of air movement. You need one of those garage. big, like, you know, propeller-type ones. Yeah, we've got one of them down in our tri-club rooms, so... Uh, and then the run, uh, what are you going to... What pace are you going to... Are you going to run John, the pace or just run to field? No, I'm just, uh, I'm just getting Completed. this done. I, like, last time I've done... Over four hours of exercise in a row, mm. over a year ago. <laughs> it's been a long time. We've got a little aid station set up. Not that I'm unfit. Like I, 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 I'll get it done. I'm not worried about getting it done. But mm. I'm not going to be trying to push tempo to try to prove anything. It's mm. If I feel good in the last part of the run, I might pick it up a little bit. But no, I ain't going cray-cray. Whereas I'm going to do, I'm going to do mine at uh, basically Ironman intensity or very close to it. Probably more to, to heart rate rather than my, my past sort of glory numbers or pace or anything like that. Um, so that's sort of my plan. And that's, you know, why, why simulations are really important. And I get my athletes quite regularly to do half Ironman simulations. To run a half Ironman off a, a bike, a reasonable length bike, is something not a lot of athletes do, in my opinion, um, enough. So for you guys out there that are listening, it's a really good chance to sort of practice your pacing. If you're not in your top shape, a bit like Bevan, and a bit like me, I'm not. Not in top shape. No, we're near it, John. <laughs> but I'm not in my top shape. Um, either so I've just got to dial my wattage down so like I normally ride Ironman at 235 watts which gives me a heart rate of about 135 and like I know from the, the training rides that I've done that's not going to be realistic so I'm just going to bang off you know a good 10 maybe 15 watts off that um, and that'll still give me the same sort of heart rate so I know I'll be able to sustain the heart rate I'm fit enough to do that and likewise on the run I kind of know the heart rate that I can sustain and I'm pretty sure I know what pace I can handle depending on the temperatures so it's a good exercise and pacing it's 
good chance for you to do a long run off the bike, good chance to practice your, your nutrition plan. And again, if you do this half Ironman at Ironman effort, you can practice your nutrition 100% and just dial things in, make sure it's all uh, good for, for next year. Um, and why it's important to do this this week, it's Kona week. Normally, Ironman will be on this week. So it's a bit of a bit of a salute to Kona uh, and simply putting a challenge in front of yourself to do. A bit like Bevan, he's not very fit. Uh, but he's got a challenge. I'm, that he's going to do. I'm just not this kind of fit. Not aerobically. Yeah, yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm probably still in the 90% fittest in the country. Yeah. But in regards to what, what you, I'm definitely not specified to what we do. <laughs> my lats are going to die the next day from bloody trying to pull my body through that pool. Cycling, I'll be fine. And running, yeah. I'll be fine. But I'm not going to push the tempo because I just don't want to get injured. Because I'm thinking about maybe signing up for the Mototech Marathon. Okay. Yeah, I've never done it. And yeah. work-wise, I've never been able to do it. Mm-hmm. But I can't see work being a problem at the time of year next year. And it's kind of one of those races I've always wanted to do. So the the Mototapa is a race in New Zealand. They have an off-road mountain bike race. Xterra. Uh, Xterra, try, and then uh, run, and a bunch of other things as well. So good and stuff. It's a good solid run. And so it's normally about February, isn't it? Uh, it's March 14th. <laughs> it's on the same day as my Sea Sky Challenge. Oh, there you go. So, uh, so the go. deal is, uh, oh, I've put two, I have put some two k there, Bevan. I've, I've no one point nine. One point nine. So the I'm idea is, one. I'm doing a half Ironman. <laughs> the idea is you go do your swim, um, and then in terms of the bike, we've got a few different options. I've got a couple of Zwift meetups. I think we've got about forty or fifty people so far signed up for different Zwift meetups. Uh, I'll be setting those up today if you're listening, and. But we've got look, quite a few people are going to be not doing it on Swift. So we've got a crew from Christchurch. There'll be a good um, seven or eight of them that are going down to our club rooms. They're doing it on a different platforms. So the idea is you're doing a half Ironman. If you want to join a few others on Swift, I'll have those meetups set up. Where are we going to run? What's the course? And then we've got we've got to run around the, the river. So you've got to go run 21.1 okay. kilometres. Are, are, are we meeting up with the other crew for the run? Yep. We're going to have a little aid station there. So wait, do we? we I know we're doing a swim. And you'll probably wait 15 minutes for me to finish my swim. Yeah. And then we go to your house. Yep. We're swimming at 7. And then we'll, uh, so we'll take you 7.40. By the time we're done, we'll be out of there hopefully by 8. Get back to my place 10 past 8 on the bike at 8.30. Really and then are we, are we meeting everybody or just get on the bike? Uh, no, you get started at 8.30. So with a meet-up, yeah, we've got a, a... No, I mean once the bike's done. Off the bike, we'll just go off running. They'll, they'll take a different amount of time. And are we'll, they going to be on the same course for the run? Yeah, we'll be able to wave around the river. Yep. Do I have to wait for, I'd have to wait for you? No, no, you'll be waiting a while. Yeah, yeah. John, I'm, I'm not going to try to compete because <laughs> I'll just be embarrassed. And, and, and it'll just hurt my, my, my ego because yeah. back in the day, I'd be going, I'll take Newsom. I'll yeah. be here and I'll, I'll try to smoke him on the bike. Yeah. He'll get me in the pool, but hey, we're starting at the same time, so it doesn't matter, but I'll get him on the bike. Pretty similar runners, I'll be yeah. able to get him. Yeah. It yeah. would have worked for me. You, you haven't got it yet. And when we did the IM Talk 10-year um, anniversary weekend, I, I tried to take in the, uh, coming up the other side of Akira up that hill. <laughs> I lasted about ten, about twenty seconds. Right. And then Yusuf said, "Screw you, Oz. You're not what you used to be." And he made me. And then I grovelled home. I didn't even notice. You see, there you go. I, I thought, I thought, I, I've got it. I've, I, what I used to be. So Took you, me about thirty you, seconds to realise I wasn't. You can do it any way you like. I've got a couple of guys that I coached that are going to do an outside version. I know a lot of people can't swim. If you can't swim, you replace the, the, the swim with a, uh, a run. With a run. And uh, what's yeah. the run they got to do? The run, you've got to do what have I got? I think I've got five, an extra 5K, so <laughs> that's, a, that's an honest 26Ks of running. You yep. can't complain about that. And <clears throat> I'm going to put up a results um, cheat on our website. I'll do that today. And you can just plug in your details. That's more for a bit of fun because we're all going to be riding different courses. But uh, you can put your swim, your bike, and your run time down and uh, see how you sort of fare up against the rest of the crew. Will I come last? That's the question. I don't think I'm going to come last. I don't think so. Yes. No. 
podcast. John's IT update. What's no, up, no, John? Hold on. We've got a couple of other things I wanted to mention. Cause oh, okay. Ironman have their gig as well. So if you aren't doing our one, now Ironman are doing it like over a week, aren't they? Oh, there's all different sorts of options, but you can kind of do it however you want. But the one thing I will say, hats off to anybody that's planning on doing a virtual Ironman where you're going to do the full swim, bike, Ironman run. That's a big effort when you're doing that you inside and you're doing it by yourself. Not even close. My, when, before I got a coach, mm-hmm. the week before I did Ironman New Zealand, mm-hmm. my long my training day was 4K swim. Mm-hmm. I think it was about 150K bike yeah. and then a 30K run. Solid. Good tapering. Yeah, good tapering. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've done anything that long. Uh, I can't think of the longest. That was, that was like literally the Saturday before the week before the race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew nothing about the sport at that time. How things have changed or not changed. Yeah. Um, anyway, th- we've got a few other races coming up this weekend. Uh, we've got an Iron Star race in Russia, which looked like it was going to be happening. And then I had a look at this other one, and this was on K226.com. The Winterman Tri, which is in the Czech Republic. Uh, it's one of these exterior, not exterior, extreme tri type races. Um, cold water swim, you know, a really hilly bike course, and then a tough run. So the swim, <laughs> this was off the website. I was looking, I was going... This is weird. They're finishing the swim and it's still dark. Uh, so they've got a nine kilometre down river swim. You start at 4.40 in the morning. Uh, <laughs> the water will have temperatures between 10 and 14 degrees Celsius. That's bloody cold. Uh, if it gets 14, okay. But when you're getting down to 10, that is Arctic. Yeah. However, it goes on to say the last 500 metres will cool down to 7 degrees centigrade. Ooh. That's like... There's motivation to go fast. Yeah. Ice wouldn't melt in that. Bloody hell, that is cold. Uh, the bike course has got 3,500 metres of elevation and the run you finish uh, with an 11 kilometre climb getting about 1,000 metres of elevation or so. So it looks like a doozy. Go to Czech Republic and check it out. It looks like a great course. Just Not my cup of tea. That no, time. no, Swimming definitely. at 7 degrees. They, they, when they came out, they didn't You wouldn't have, expect anything at least from the Czech Republic, but would yeah, you? Yeah, they, did, they didn't have just like the, the you know, your skull cap type things you wear to keep your, your head warm. They actually had the full diving masks and things like that on. Oh, wow, wow. So it looked brutal. Okay, John's IT update. We've got an announcement, which is what's a couple of cool announcements. First of all, I'll go to this, this one, is that they're announcing a bonus prize pool. The executive board have also approved the distribution of the 2020 bonus prize pool money, approved two weeks ago and to try and minimize the financial impact that COVID-19 and the lack of events has had on athletes this season. After consultation with the Athletes Committee and the survey sent out to all elite athletes, the board has decided to support one of the recommendations of the athletes to allocate the 2020 bonus prize money, which is only 100k but still, mm-hmm. uh, equally divided between the first 50 men and the first 50 female. So it's basically 2k each really. Yeah. Oh, no, it's only k each. Yeah. Um, well, no, it's a, it's a bonus pool, and so they have this every year, but then it's based off the whole series. So they're yeah. just distributing it. It's really based off, they had one race in Hamburg, and then there was a few other races in sort of the Southern Hemisphere at the start of the season. So I was thinking, initially when I saw this, I thought, oh, this is a really stiff deal for like the Kiwis and Aussies. Who, who no, but they're saying it's, it's a thousand bucks each. Because it's, it's saying equally divided between the first 50 and first 50 men. Yeah, not, yeah equally divided between males and females. The top people, oh. yeah. So, no. Oh, I the, thought each person would just get 1000 bucks each. No. Okay. Um, and so I thought, oh, the Kiwis and Aussies will get shafted. But then when I looked at the list, we'd had a couple of races down here with a World Cup in Australia and a World Cup. We didn't get the World Cup in New Zealand. Um, so it seemed like it was good. And it's a bit like what the PTO have done. They're, they're sort of dishing out money that they'd budgeted for, allocated, 
just didn't happen in terms of all the races, so it was just sitting there. So it's good to see it going out. So if we look at the 2021, what's happening with the racing calendar, John? So they've just announced the first few races, um, and they're kind of clustering them together. So they've got a new um, World Triathlon Series race in China on the 1st and 2nd of May, and then they're going to have Yokohama, which is a regular on the circuit, on the 15th of May. And they're also slotted in a World Cup race in Osaka uh, on the 8th and 9th of May. So essentially you could do three races uh, in three weeks back-to-back if you wanted to travel, or you can go to China, uh, go to Japan and do two races in, in two weeks. So, yeah, starting to see some things happening, and Leeds is also taking place uh, the 5th and 6th of June, which will be reasonably fresh up that, t- that time of the year up in Leeds. So, yeah, starting to see some things happen with ITU, um, and it's, they've changed their logo, they've rebranded Bevan. It's all now no. called World Triathlon. I don't even know if they're going to call themselves the ITU. So if you look up ITU.com? Uh, now, if you go triathlon.org, they've got a new logo and you're yeah, just pumping it out there. Triathlon.org, let's check it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. <laughs> what do you think? It's fine. I think they just want to get rid of the, the ITU side of things and just world triathlon, consistent branding everywhere. Okay, fair enough. Okay, John, last week's discussion, was, well, the discussion we did before we went away was how are you going to test yourself between now and Christmas if there's no racing in your part of the world? Uh, I'll go first, John. Paula Ryan's got, I'm going to test myself of how many Christmas parties I can fit in if there is no requirement to train early in the next morning. Do you know what? There's probably some truth to that. <laughs> you know, because, you know, the thing is with us triathletes, well, you know, now that I'm doing a triathlon, I'm yeah. go back to that world, um, is you do sacrifice a lot of social. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're the people who live, like, in New Zealand mm-hmm. in the summer season where it's a very social time of year, you will often have to leave early or miss out on things because... You know, you've got to get out and train, and it's a focused time. So it would be quite nice to go, you know what, this year... Going crazy. I'm just going to be able to enjoy that a little bit more, hmm. which is not a bad thing. Greg Howes says, only for running, but I'm doing my own one-hour record runs. I did the first um, one last week, and I'm planning on doing another in December to see how much improvement I can squeeze out. Great idea. So one hour, one-hour power effort, pretty much, but running. What do you reckon yours would be, John? Maybe because could do this weekend. See Running? If I, yeah, if you run an hour. Right now? Um, I could probably run three minute 50Ks. I don't know how far that would get me. Well, you could do faster than 350s. For an hour? Come on, John. No, well, I did a half marathon last year and it wasn't that much quicker than that. I think it was three, low 340s, something like that. I think you do 340s for an hour. I don't think so. I'm going to see it this weekend. I'm backing you. If I was specifically prepared, I could, but not I went out for a run on Saturday Sunday, and I did, because um, I haven't done any intensity, so I've just been kind of plodding up and down the hills recently, and I thought I'd do a 50-minute run, 10 warm-up, 15 at 120 half marathon pace, mm-hmm. 5, then 15 again, and then just warm down. So the first 15, I was struggling to sit on 4 Exactly. But then it turns out I was kind of slight up and slightly into the wind. So the way home, I kind of averaged kind of more three forties. Nice. But it was yeah, it was a bit of a bit of an effort. Robin Hayward's got uh, breaking my record of eating twenty four mince pies set by my father's work Christmas function when I was twelve at the age of forty. Oh, so forty years ago. So. Robin, can you eat twenty-four mince pies? Now, are we talking? Are we talking small mince pies? <laughs> are we talking real mince pies here, John? Yeah, good point. I yeah. think they'll be the small ones, small yeah. little ones. Um, Will Hogarth, I'm just trying to get to 100 CTL, which is a training peaks term. Never been anywhere near that. And then Peter Colson comes back, says, me too. 12 weeks lockdown, hurt the numbers, but it's all coming back now. Good luck, boys. Good old Mick Simpson um, would have done the race last weekend, the Outlaw X this weekend. So figuring besting Brownlee with a good test. After that, looking to do some 5Ks, PBs before Christmas. Nice work. Um, 
Who else have I got here? I wanted to do one that I saw down the bottom. Alex Paul, he's got to get a bit of credit here. So far, I've done 25 out of 25 Ironman virtual reality races. Wow. One left, number 26, before my epic 140.6. He is doing the full Monty. Good work, Alex. On uh, October the 10th, which will be IMVR 27. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. Good luck, Alex. And so we've got to think, for those all those races that Alex has done, or you know the virtual reality sessions, um, there's quite a few half Ironman efforts in there, um, which is which is solid. And then he's doing the full Monty. Good work, mate. That's absolutely I'm, awesome. I'm intrigued to see how many people actually do the full one. There weren't many, were there? It's not going to be like a guess? London Marathon. Where they had forty thousand do London Marathon, wasn't it? Virtually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My guess. Yeah. Doing the full full a full Iron Distance race. I'm going to say five hundred. I would be. I, I would think you're probably about right, assuming you've got to do it on the Ruby platform. If they open it up to all platforms, then they do that actually. So I'm going to say maybe a thousand on when they have the one which is open to all platforms. Are they doing anything with the pros this weekend? Not to my knowledge. You no know kind of pro race that they're putting on. Here's a question for you. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> do they overdo Mark and Dave a little bit too much now? I think they're awesome. I absolutely think they're the most amazing athletes. What makes you say they're, that? They're just—they've always overdone it. Yeah, but why? Why now? Well, they're, they're doing a lot of stuff on social media, and it just seems to be so much Mark and Dave this this last week or so. I'm thinking, what about Peter Reid, Tim DeBoom, those guys? Well, here's the question, which is really interesting: Does this generation even know about it? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like when we came in, you know, you were still in the sport. You know, you probably mm. missed Mark and Dave that key moment, but you're kind of would have come on when it was really fresh. My first Ironman race I watched was the Mark and Dave because that, that was also the year they had the Hoyts, wasn't it? No, uh, maybe the Hoyts was later. The Hoyts was later, I but, think. But, so, but Mark and Dave we were still relevant. Hmm. That was, what, 1989? Yeah, yeah, 89 was the, the, the You know, that's, that's nearly 30 years, 30 years ago. Yeah. And the, the thing is, they're both still heavily involved in the sport through the coaching, so that's why they get a lot, of, a lot more profile. Um, but it'd just be nice to see a bit more of well, what the about, other champions. What about bloody Mecca and Raylert? Yeah. That was a great day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, I, I do get it. It's one of the great stories of the sport. Mm. Question is, have we not had better stories in the last 30 years? Mm. What are the best stories since then? Rinny? Exactly. Rinny beating, that was phenomenal. Chrissy? Yeah. What so about they, the boys? They start rolling that out, but it just seems, I don't know, I've just been watching it, and it's just been like Mark and Dave all the time, which t- they are amazing, and I absolutely love them both. And it's a great story. But I just thought, oh, yeah, what about the rest of them? But maybe the others have been approached and they're just not as accessible. Whereas those here's guys, a, here's a discussion be... which I know we're not going to do this week: is what brought you into the sport? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because for me, sorry about that. My, my, I was warning you. I can't move, and I moved on. Um, but <laughs> what's the same? Too excited about what got him into the sport? Well, what got me into the sport was as a kid, I did see the Hoyts, and I remember being pretty inspired by that. And that was well before I even thought about doing triathlon. And then. Uh, just a friend of mine said, if you want a real challenge, you need to do an Ironman. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what got me into the sport. I wasn't... Yeah, so... Uh, oh, I'll put that down for next week, Bevan. Yeah, what you explain got, what this week's one is, and I'll uh, put that down. Okay, so this, oh, no, let's do your answer. John, what's your challenge? Oh, well, I've got... Uh, mine's pretty straightforward, because I've got Epic Camp, so it's kind of that by, by default, is to get through that. We start in a couple of weeks' time. I did have a suggestion from good old Louis Giuseppe. He's going, can I tag onto your Epic Camp and do everything like a day later? And I thought... Feel free if you want to. So if you're doing a, a challenge, uh, I'll be posting every day what we do on Epic Camp. And if you want to go out and do it, 
Go for it. That could be a pretty solid challenge. We're going to be... Especially solo effort. Yeah. I mean, um, it'd be pretty hard to fit it in on working days because we're going to be averaging about 100... We average about 120 to 130 k's a day on the bike, um, plus doing swimming and running. Uh, so if you're not working, not, not too difficult, but if you are working, might be a bit of a struggle to fit it in. I don't need to bring a bike this weekend, do I? Well, we'll discuss that. But I need to borrow some goggles. Right. Got any spare speedos? <laughs> I'm swimming in my shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else I need to know? Got some running shoes. Yeah, I've got running shoes. I actually bought some new ones recently. Okay, this week's discussion is what is your all-time favourite Kona moment? And guys, with this one, it can be your race. It can be the pro race. It can be, you know, whatever it is. Mark and Dave. It can Mark, be whatever you want. Mark and Dave. I'm sure they'll be the top answer. Yeah. Okay, John, let's do it. One, two, three. Age Gruber of the week. week. Okay, John. Good old Patrick uh, Walkington sent through Gary Mollard is this week's age group. He's got Gary is one of the athletes who I coach. Gary has entered the uh, 2019 Ironman UK, and I've been following him on the live tracker. Great swim, great transition, and then five minutes into the bike, his tracker stopped. Fearing the worst and continually checking the tracker for movement, I got a call on my mobile phone. Gary had borrowed a spectator's phone and was calling me in a bit of a panic. His DI2 rear merch, Mick, Mick, um, had given up and wasn't moving off the smallest clog on the cassette. Oh no, that's not not good. I told him to check the various connections and no joy. Wait for the course mechanic. 30 minutes later, I saw that he was moving again and presumed that he must have got it fixed. It turned out that afterwards that Gary had completely completed the whole bike in just two gears and he was able to still move his front merch. What do you call it? Mech. Mech. Um, The gears were hard, really hard. The bike time wasn't too bad and his run wasn't too bad either. Considering how hilly the Ironman UK course is, this is pretty impressive and totally worth a mention mm, that is impressive I'm firstly impressed that um, Gary had uh, either recalled his coach's phone number but he might have gone to the website and grabbed it off the hat but to just go up to a spectator that is can, I, can I borrow your phone how many phone numbers can you remember right now Probably do you know your wife's phone number I know my wife's cell that's, phone that's yeah I see I wouldn't yeah no that, that's it I know my parents landline if it was landlines it was a bit different because you yeah, used to have to dial many, it yeah but these days because it's all different Stave in your phone, but no, my, I remember my parents' home phone number. And Gary goes, number. I need to ring Patrick. Yeah, and Patrick, sort out, mate. Just do this and that. Yeah. Gary's like, Screw you, Patrick. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, so that's impressive, and it, but it's not the first time that I've heard uh, people do this. However, what's impressive? Was well, it just because it's charged? Uh, well, yes and no. It can be a failure to charge your device, which is and actually interesting enough. Literally just before coming up here, I put my bike on charge because we've got the camp coming up. And I thought, charge it now in case I forget to how do often, it. How often do you have to charge it? Oh, infrequently. Like, like, like months, at, months at a time. Okay. You know, several months at a time. And anyway, so on the odd occasion, it is a lack of charge. But normally, it's um, if you're traveling to a race, then if you've packed your bike away and if you leave your cables connected, um, if you, if your say your brake handle uh. where the changer is, is pointed the whole time that can do it and then there's other reasons as well John is it worth it uh, it's one of those things I was riding I was, I was riding my bike as a coach just coaching some runners on the weekend and I was up, just up on Summit Road and I, was, and I was thinking about this for some reason and I was thinking this is fine yep it's, I totally agree it's one of those things once you've got it going back would be feel really shit so Actually, it's not really going to give you a performance gain at all um, the, the, the changing is a bit smoother uh, it's easy 
and it's really. I've, I've never gone to my car. Oh, I got pushed in. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, can I get it in? It would be. It would be. Let, let's say it would be like going from. Say you're on. You're on the top iPhone at the moment. Yeah, I'm not. I'm it, like three years. It would probably be like going back to like iPhone six or something like that. Okay. Uh, Actually, I've got a good analogy. I've just bought Joe some RPM shoes mm-hmm. for the gym because she uses sand shoes for a birthday. I got her some shoes. And she said, oh, I noticed them. But, you know, and I said, you don't really notice until you forget to take them to the class. Yes. And you've got to go back to the same shoes. Yeah. You know? So, um, good on Gary. Uh, I, what often happens in these situations is you've got to push. you only got two gears. You've got to push either really hard or you're spinning out of control. And this is a hilly course on Man UK. And then your run's really going to suffer badly because you haven't yeah. been able to. And you're mentally, you've thrown your toys out of the cot. You've yep. had enough. You've probably gone too hard to try to make you've up You've got a good excuse. Um, but Gary persevered and still had a good run. So good on him. So Gary Mollard, you are our age, age group, group of the week. week. Uh, and okay. plug for Patrick. He's got performance... Coach, uh, hold on. PerformanceTryCoaching.co.uk if you want to check him out for some coaching. Okay, John's oh, history lesson. Can we have some music? Oh, do you have to? It's always editing work for me. Okay, <laughs> here we go. We're back, John. John! Yeah, just, History you're, lesson. You're getting lazy in your old age. That's how we do my job, I tell you. We have music all the way through the show. Yep. We don't want to listen to one reason lazy. is One reason is our music's not as good. Apple on the podcast back in their days, oh. in Garage Band, you said with selection we could choose podcast music. Nowadays, I've only got three songs. Unless you want to buy some music, John. Why don't you use, <laughs> my, why don't you use our Legends music for this, given that it's, it's, it's talking about Legends. No, because Legends... Has the Brendan Telford bit? Yeah. Doesn't matter. We'll, we'll move on. Cool. I'll put some music in. They've heard it. Uh, John, what we're saying is the Rio 2016 Olympics. Rio will go down as one of the disappointing Olympics. Yeah, I thought this before I watched the coverage. No, no, last not, not the triathlon. All oh, right. The Olympics. Yes. Crowds were pretty poor. Mm. You know, like there was no one at the stadium for this track and field. True. Yeah. You know, it was. It was. Bit of a funny Olympics, wasn't it? You know, mm. when you've had London, you've had China, you know, we've come into this runway from like Sydney. Mm. What, what was the two? Th- Atlanta. Athens. Athens. You know, like you had these awesome Olympics in a row. And Rio was a bit of a meh. Yeah, you no, know? I'd agree with that. Um, it, it, and it's, it's a finale in terms of this series of talking about the Olympics. So it's 2016 in Rio de Janeiro. Um there is coverage on YouTube via the Olympic channel and it also has commentary, which is great. Those first couple of years of the Olympics didn't have commentary, so this is, this is good stuff. Um, and when you said it was a disappointing Olympics, when I looked at the results, it was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of pretty predictable. But I scanned through the race yesterday and it was still, it was impressive, not so much in terms of the head-to-head battles or the females race wasn't was interesting it was more just the athletic performance the favorites won and they were just immaculate so going into these olympics um it was very much the era where the brownleys were totally dominant um both of them and i would say jonathan brownlee i don't think gets enough credit for how good he was like he was he often almost always finished second to his brother but he was in front of everybody else. That's the thing. It's like in this race, Schumann had a great to come in third. Mm. But look, look at some of the early Olympics. It was a bit of a you know bit of a pack slowly mm. fades away in the last. But the Brownlee boys just took off in that run. I did, and and but 
early too. In so many races, Jonathan Brownlee, he did win a fair, fair few, um, but he was often head and shoulders above everybody else. His, then his brother was, was like next level. So Brownlee will go down as one of the greats to never win Olympic gold. Yeah, totally. You know, Jonathan Brownlee, you know, not, not Alistair. And the thing is, now that they're still going, his light's sort of fading because he's, he's now he's kind of one of the others. He's sort of like a, a sort of a three through ten guy rather than a than Does a he still pretender. pull off the occasional stellar? No, not really. Okay. No, unfortunately. Um, and the other th- main story going into this race was Gomez was, uh, he was sort of one of the best of the rest behind the, the Brownies. He could, he could be pretty competitive with them, but then he was out with a broken, I think it was a broken shot collarbone. Is it a broken collarbone or broken? No, it was elbow. Elbow. Yeah, I heard in the commentary. So that was a bit of a bugger because he would have added some spice to the mix. Uh, and the female side, it was kind of, this is Gwen Jorgensen's race to to lose and the pressure she must have been under because you know, she was so much better than everybody else. Uh, and in her early career, she had been, she was vulnerable both a little bit in the swim, but also on the bike. She was a bit of a liability on the bike, quite often got dropped, even on fairly easy courses. Gwen? Uh, Gwen Jorgensen. Yep. Um, so that, that liability had been reduced and she still wasn't a stellar cyclist, but she it was pretty rare that she got dropped uh, and the other one Nicholas Spirig who had won the 2020 Olympics in the sprint finish with um, the Swedish girl Lisa Norden uh, she hadn't really done very much because she'd been off busy having um, babies okay. and 2015 she only just did a, a couple of handful of races Just she was still doing really well but just to get back in the groove and then she came back and as you'll hear was uh, pretty impressive when we look at the test event um, the year before it's fairly interesting um, results there because Alistair Brownlee, and I can't remember what happened here, but he uh, exploded on the run. He must maybe he had an injury, I'm not quite sure, but he only finished in 10th uh, place. The rest of the contenders, though. Now, at that time, in 2015, that was really rare. Yeah. For him to get a 10th. Yeah, no, he was winning absolutely everything. And so uh, that was a bit weird. Je- Gomez uh, finished in first, Vincent Louis finished in second, and Richard Murray ran an amazing 30-30 on this course, which was over a minute quicker than Javier Gomez, uh, and Vincent Louis, a minute 20 quicker than him. So as you're going to hear as well, he obviously likes the running on this course and was the fastest runner in the world at the time. On the female side, uh, a year out from the Olympics, you had Gwen Jorgensen take it out in front of non-Stanford, Vicky Holland and Sarah True. Um, and so then rolling into the into the race, uh, it was held at Coco Cabana, um, the Coco Cabana Coco Beach. Coco Cabana. Uh, and iconic venue. It was a cool, cool venue. And, and all the triathlon venues have been wicked. You've had... The Sydney Opera House, yeah. an amazing backdrop. In Athens, it was just epic because it was on the coast there and an amazing run course. It wasn't downtown, which was the one downside. And then you had London, uh, and London which was right in Central Park. Beijing was a little bit different, but it was a really cool course. And then Coco Cabana, um, so really cool location. Um, the swim uh, was always going to be a challenge with water quality even though it's a beautiful beach I know there was lots of rumblings about that and the other theme that we've had in all the races bar London was heat was going to be a big issue Uh, the swim didn't really sort things out too much um, on both genders Um, on the bike they had a very steep 61 metre elevation climb and a sort of sweeping very fast high speed descent and I know one at least one person came a cropper on that and then the run was going to be flat and uh, hot 
Men's race, uh, as it sort of how it panned out, the Brownleys, as Bevan said, pretty much just owned it. Really? Yeah. Um, they, they, there was a fairly big group coming out of the swim, but then um, they just blew the race apart on the bike and eliminated the runners from the race. And just keep dominating it, didn't they? And they did. So they just a, keep going to the front. Yeah, it was a 10-man um, breakaway. They got everybody else working, but more often than not, it was one of the Brownleys on the front just driving the pace really hard. Here's a question. I, I don't think this is the answer, but if Brownlee, if Jonathan just sat back and sat in the pack in that moment, mm. could he have won? Um, good question. Potentially, he would have saved a lot of juice on. Because he was doing a lot of work at the front, and so was Alistair. So Alistair was definitely, and Alistair was definitely the better athlete. Mm. But if Brownlee had been a bit more strategic and thought, actually, my job's not to pull Alistair up now. Mm. My job is just to save my energy, because I know he's probably a better runner than me. But if I can get into that run a little bit less fatigued. Mm. And, but then you had the whole group dynamic would the others then be Caught prepared up, to work yeah. as well so you had some really strong riders in that group you had uh, Ben Canute, Van Reel who's a great rider, Vincent Louis and uh, Schumann as well so whilst the Brownleys were pushing it they also had others that were coming through and what that did it pretty much eliminated the, the runners from the race Vincent uh, Maria Mola and Murray. Richard Murray yeah. and as you're going to see in the results they needed to eliminate them because they came back really strong so um the end, as it ended up, it did come down to the run from the breakaway of 10, and it was kind of, it was pretty obvious what was going to happen. That being said, Jonathan Brownlee did stick with his brother for a very long time uh, during the run. The results say it was only a six-second victory. It ended up yeah. being quite a bit more than that. He was about 25 to 30 before he slowed down. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and Henry Schumann was the best of the rest, which was good on him. He uh, he hung tough. He's a, he was a great swimmer. Never been on the podium before at, yeah. a, at a World Series race. But that was a sp- this kind of gave him the springboard. Then he went on and he won the Commonwealth Games gold medal and has been relatively consistent. Would since you talk then. about him for the next Olympics, Schumann? Um, uh, Potentially, probably for a medal, not yep. for the win though. Okay. Um, but then you look at Richard Murray. As I said earlier, he ran a thirty thirty four. Um, you know, thirty five. Although seconds. if you took twenty seconds on, apparently wouldn't have ran that fast, even if he'd yeah, gone so for he, it. He was probably still thirty seconds quicker than uh, than Alistair Brownlee, and he ran his way up to fourth place and was just it was seven seconds behind his countryman Schumann uh, taking fourth place and Yael uh, Pereira he also ran up with a 30-38 to finish in fifth place Vincent Louis who's our sort of probably the most dominant these days uh, he only ran a 32-21 to fade to seventh place so that was the the boys race was that that a disappointing run from Louis because Louis was in the main pack yeah and he started off um, could he run as fast as like a Brownlee well, he can now. Um, back then, he was still emerging. I think he's, he's... When you look at a lot of these top athletes, they have just moved up the rung year after year after okay. year. The previous Olympics, just off the top of my head, I'm going to say he finished about 10th, so he sort of moved up to 7th. And next year, or this year at the Olympics, he would have been the favourite. Not a massive, massive clear favourite, but certainly would have been the favourite. Um, on the female side of things, uh, a big group came out of the swim, um, which included Gwen Jorgensen, so that was... Um, Bit of a problem straight away, but also Nicholas Spurig made that front group as well. Um, the only chance they really had in this race to, to for the gold medal was to drop Jorgensen on the bike. And when I was watching it last night, what was interesting was she did get dropped early on. Like when I say dropped, she was five meters off the back. If maybe take at that moment. That is teetering off. Yeah. And they were driving really hard at the front, so I don't, I'm not quite sure how she managed to get back on, but she did. Once she was back on, she was okay. 
but that race was teetering on edge. If she'd got dropped there, game over. Uh, she would have lost two minutes, yeah. uh, and it would have been game over. And try as they might, they couldn't break up that group. Well, they, they had people drip, dropping off the off the group. Nicholas Spurig, again, this is like the Brownlee. If she, she was on the front, she was just driving that pack for the majority of the ride. Had she not done that? maybe the result might have turned out a little bit different. So Spirig was attacking. The group, the pace looked like it was on. You could just see their faces. They were suffering all the way through the bike ride. Uh, so, you, you know, you think the Spirig moment is, or tactic is, I've either got to try to get away or I've got to try and make this ride so hard that I, I wear all the runners out. And I think she achieved, she didn't achieve the breakaway, but she tied everybody else out enough that her strength brought her through on the run. The run you got to go watch this. It was the weirdest run you're ever going to see in a triathlon. Definitely the weirdest I run I've ever it. seen. So tell me about it. So they're running along. So straight away, more or less, um, Jorgensen and Spurig uh, take off, and you're thinking, Jorgensen's just going to play with her for a bit. And oh, no, I actually remember it. Away. I do remember it, yeah. And Nicholas Spurig stayed with her for, th- I think it was about three quarters of the run. But the interesting part was in the middle sort of stages, it became a bit of a track race. Like they didn't want to take the lead and they, they literally That's were right. swerving all over the road and neither of them wanted to go to the front. They were almost arguing with each other. It is it's bizarre. Um, then they kind of settled back in and then at about the three-quarter mark or so, Jorgensen just put the burners on and just gassed her. Uh, and so I, what I did have in the back of my mind was she sort of just playing it safe. It was really, really hot thinking... If I can run with her, I'll probably drop her at the end. Yeah. Uh, if I go for it early, I risk, risk blowing up. Yeah. And so I think she was playing it safe because she was so dominant uh, over everybody else. So anyway, that was the story. It ended up being Gwen Jorgensen surging away for a relatively comfortable victory. She was uh, in tears going across the line, tears of joy and probably a massive relief valve um, released. Uh, Spurig faded quite a bit because the, 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 the females behind her, which was Non Stanford and Vicky Holland, they got pretty close to her coming down into the finishing chute. They had a bit of a sprint finish and uh, they're really good mates. So it was always a shame when you're sprinting off your mate for third place. One of you gets a medal and the other one doesn't. So uh, Vicky Holland ended up just beating out Non Stanford for the bronze medal. So as I said, Pretty predictable winners on both the males and females side, but just impressive specimens of our sport in terms of how dominant they were and they performed when they uh, when they needed to. She's. So I know I've talked a lot about this, but her career I just find fascinating. Gwen Jorgensen. Well, she she's just dominating the sport. Took her a little while to get into the swing of it. Um, but she, she, was, she was dominating, wasn't she? When but she once, quit. once she got into it, it was it was. It wasn't impossible to beat her, but the only people that could beat her was just absolutely crush the bike ride. Um, interestingly, Gwen Jorgensen... And when post- did she pull away? Well, so she... she had the the Olympics must have been... It's always sort of July, August time. They had the grand finale in Cozumel, which would have been at the end of the season, probably end of August. That was her last race, and she actually got beaten there. Flora Duffy just opened up a can of whoop-ass on the bike oh, really? and just got such a big lead. Gwen Jorgensen also didn't run that fast that day. Uh, she still finished second. Um, and probably still won the series. And that was the end of her, basically. And, that was it. and then she kind of just... She had a baby, um, didn't she? She's had baby, and she's trying to still trying to do marathon running. Uh, so I still see her popping up on social media and stuff, and she's still running. But um, And she's, she's really good, but she's, she's not like... Which, but she, she, hasn't, she hasn't qualified to the Olympics, is she? No, no. Um, so she's really good. She's really competitive at a national level. At an international level, she's just you know another, another, another one, sort of the group. Yeah, well, well she's 34. Mm. So realistically, if it doesn't happen next year, it's oh, marathon running can keep going. But you'd think, well, come on, thirty nine. Yeah, and she's not even making a US team now. Mm. 
yeah, in terms of winning an Olympic medal. Or even just getting to the Olympics. Mm. It's just interesting because, and I, I had good honour, you know, like you've got to live the life you want to live. But she walked away from a, a pretty stellar career to chase, to chase your pipe dream, you know, mm. like, hey, good honour. Um, anything else, John? No, I just thought, uh, with all these Olympics, when I watched on, them, on the ratings of your favourite Olympics to your worst Olympics, where does this sit? Um, it's a good question. None they've all been better than what I remembered when I've gone back and scanned through them. I haven't watched them. They've all been better than what I remembered. So I'd say it's London and Rio are on par at the bottom because the favourites really just dominated and it was a bit predictable. So I'd say those two were the bottom two. Bit of a tie. Okay, mm. there you go. But still good races. Still definitely worth a watch. And some great It was jewels. still impressive, but like mm. just the way Alistair was racing it, like just how he was racing at that time... And he's a he, racer with a grimace on his face. He just backed himself, man. Mm. Like one thing is, I'm talking about Brown and Jonathan saying maybe he could have been a bit wiser in the ride. Mm. You know, who knows what that meant? Because it might have meant that the pack caught up, um, and just let Alistair do more work. But Alistair just—he just—he never played tactics. Mm. He just went, "I'm the best man out here. Screw you all. See you at the finish." It'd be amazing to see. Um more sports science stats and comparing those top athletes to actually see on a physiological level how close they are so how much of it is it is it mental versus actually your physical capabilities yeah fascinating stuff okay John let's do one of the week. week I'm going to say 37 oh okay we'll do 37 we're going to do two this week oh no you do your one that's no, right. I'll I'll just do go 100 okay let's do 100 100 and we're not darts aficionados uh, over here. It's 180 is what you normally say, but okay. what, who's 100, John? Number 100. Waiting, waiting. I know that's the sweet. I've got to give, I've got to give him a bit of love. Do you know Sai? Sai, yeah, he's an Indian guy. You know what? Christian. I met Sai. Yeah. Oh, is he one of the Jersey Crushers boy? Yeah. I yeah. think he met me one day when he was grabbing some water. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, <laughs> he's on his comeback. He had a bit of a struggle during uh, lockdown period, but he's on his way back and he's come, he was out running last week and he, he came a few weeks ago and he had done like no exercise through lock, since lockdown started. And it was a bit of a struggle. And so I'm, the reason that Sai comes up, he's number 100 so far this week. Okay. He's done 51 minutes of running, which would have been last week. and uh, Would have been last night. And he's also done 51 minutes of biking. So he's number 100 for, for this week so far. And then last week, number 100... Was my, uh, Graham Woodward. Graham Woodward. From Christchurch. He came out riding at the weekend. He's coming on Epic Camp uh, in a few weeks' time. So Graham Well, is, Graham looks like... Oh, no, he's doing all right. He's August. He, although, John, he's tapering into Epic Camp if you look at his training. August, September... I oh, know it's only beginning of October, but yeah. he's dropped his training from August through to September. Okay, Graham, pick up, pick up your game there. He came out riding at the weekend, hung with group. Great, he does a bit of everything. He does uh, his picture up there is of um, mountain biking. He does quite a bit of single track sort of mountain biking oh, stuff. Yeah. Goes off doing sort of skiing and hiking, and then he's does a, he's a man stuff. of the land. He's also he does a lot of big um, sort of stuff through Europe. So Graham, pretty sure I'm right here. Graham's an Aussie, but he's also lived in the UK and now he lives in Christchurch. Um, so a Kiwi. Big, biggest ride, two hundred. Is Graham the one who lives down the road? No, Graham lives uh, sort of over... John's pointing. Uh, other side of town, sort of near okay. uni or something like that. Okay, yep. Landover Road, that's where he lives. Yep. You want to go stalk Graham? Yep. Glendover, Glendover. Uh, biggest ride that he's done, 263.1 kilometres. 
biggest climb, 1,512 metres. Uh, so you'll be able to follow Graham. Uh, one of the things with the Epic Camp, I'm going to be getting all the athletes, well, no, you get bonus points, they don't have to do it, for keeping a blog. Um, we'll, and I'll have links for those off, uh, probably off the Epic Camp Facebook page. So if you want to follow that, we'll, we'll let you know who's blogging. I'll be blogging up there every day. I'm sure Graham will be as well, because he'll be right amongst the points competition. And is he pretty decent, is he? Sorry? Is he pretty decent? Graham will be, yeah, well, it's all handicapped now, so everybody's got a good chance. Oh, really? Yep, so uh, check him out. So, Graham Woodward from Christchurch. You are our wanger wanger of the week. A question and answers. And Terry, uh, the dirty rascal, isn't it? Dirty little secret, I yep. think it is, or um, dirty, best, rascal? Best dirty rascal? Dirty rascal. Uh, Ultra Cycling, he's got a few questions for us actually here, but I think we're just going to cover one or two or three. Um, I was very proud to be the previous week's leader, this was a few weeks ago, on the Strava group. Highlight of my year, but obviously I chose the week where you guys were on holidays. <laughs> that was when Bevan was on holiday. So, so he didn't get, didn't get the love, but I participated in events called as such, which is the Switch Swish Ultra Cycling Challenge. The goal was to cycle through the, to all 26 cantons. What's that? Cantons in Switzerland's kind of like the the regions okay solo with no assistance we could start at any swiss railway station on wednesday the 2nd of september at 10 10 a.m and the finish was in Bern, at swiss capital at noon on the sunday the 6th of september we had to find uh, a post office or railway station to send postcards from each kingdom uh, we would choose our route and decide to stop at hotels overnight if we wanted to do um, but since no assistance was allowed, we had to carry everything on my bike. Uh, so my bike was much heavier than normal with a huge saddle pack, and I also had a handlebar pack. All in all, it took me three days, nine hours to complete the 920Ks with 11,000 metres of elevation. That's a lot of climbing. Yeah, far out, yeah. It was a wonderful way to see my country and a brilliant race. The first finisher, Flora, uh, Fiona um, Nobinlinger. Uh, did the whole thing in 34 hours insane to the membrane uh, basically no breaks she won the race last year the transcendental uh, race and she's also experienced ultra cyclist my goal was to have four big rides and enjoy the scenery discovery and rediscover parts of Switzerland I'm very lucky to be living here so it was huge. So he went over the Gothard, uh, Nurfin, and Grimsel passes. So that's how he got plenty of that elevation. Day one, he did 252Ks with 2,200 metres of climbing. Day two, wow. two 255Ks with 2,000 metres of climbing. Jeez. Day three, 190 with uh, 3,000. <laughs> and day four, 220Ks with 3,800 metres of climbing. 3,800 is get, getting up there. That's, like, that's lots of climbing. It is. Like, he, Terry was on uh, Epic Camp last year. He said it helped a lot and gave me the confidence I could keep going for much longer than I thought. He also said um, he's been using UCAN since we mentioned it, and he, he did a Everesting earlier this year as well. Boy's on fire! Um, so he's, he's, he did that it back in June. Boy is on fire! And he did an outside one, and he was using UCAN. And he also said uh, that I think he said I was he was right. I was right that the outside one is is much harder than the inside one. He thinks. Yeah, it makes um, sense. He says, John Swim Sets, loving it, keep on coming. And then the I Am Talk Virtual 70.3, just a suggestion, but could be done. Could it be done on different days of our choice, but around the time? Absolutely. So I've set them all up for Sunday. Um, if you want to do it on Saturday, whatever day on that weekend, it's fine. Just the Zwift meetups are, are also set for Sunday. Yep, good times. Uh, good old Irwin, I'm going to say uh, Babbage. 
Uh, but here, uh, it seems you got, uh, just talking about Ironman Ken's problems, it seems as though the locals haven't enjoyed the new COVID safe IM plan that were in place for Ken's over the weekend. Whilst I wasn't there, laid up after surgery, a quick check of the Ironman Ken's Facebook page shows dozens of posts regarding the single-use plastic water bottles littering the highway. There appears to be hundreds of them washing up everywhere. Some competitors post that there was an obvious reduction in volunteers to help clean up and tidy up, but surely any COVID-related measures should not uh, be an expense of Ironman's environmental and community obligations. I thought there were some strict rubbish points in Ironman courses anyway. How is it that we can all be so happy to return to racing yet blatantly ignore littering rules and leave such a beautiful spot in a mess, all while celebrating our achievements? Surely if we want races to go ahead in the near future, we need to take ownership of these issues, otherwise communities might not want us to welcome us back in the future. I think it's a very good point. Yeah. There's a few points I've got to make here. It's firstly... I may need to stop being cheap asses and handing out those shit ass plastic single use bottles. Does my head in? A, it's not practical. B, it's just being lazy. C, you're paying a thousand bucks to enter a race. I'm sorry, but you need to supply me yeah. with three or four drink bottles. They cost two dollars a bottle, or so. if the, the way they get them, they probably cost less than a dollar a bottle. Yep. Um, just suck it up, and unfortunately, get people to fill them up. Is there, is there a non plastic option? Um, well, the other option I was going to bring this up. I wonder, and some of the races in France do this, what it would be like if it was a bit more self-service. If we all became a bit more, less, or less pampered and everything becomes a bit more self-sufficient when you're out there racing. So of course you need to be able to fill your drink bottles up. But <clears throat> Do you want to stop and fill it up? I don't, but I wonder... Well, surely there's a carton option. Sorry? Well, I'm just thinking of the plastic use. How much plastic must they use in oh, an Ironman? Insane amount. And if, especially if it's a single use. Yeah. <clears throat> but if you're using drink bottles, then they can easily be reused. reused. Uh, but I'm just thinking, surely get cut in water. Mm. So I think I'm giving the athletes a little bit of a break here because I don't think that many of them intentionally just chuck the, the drink bottles out in uh, willy-nilly. Yeah. I think you, you'd, most athletes try to get it in the right spot, but I just think get away from these single-use plastic bottles and use uh, normal drink bottles, and uh, everyone's a winner. Well, interestingly, John, it kind of works on well to an article that you've put up here on cyclingweekly.com, just talking about the IC, uh, UCI is planning to introduce time penalties for riders littering during racing. And, and this is great because if you watch the Tour de France and you watch these Grand Tours, it does my head and you just see the riders just biffing stuff willy-nilly yeah. and they do get little fines for doing that if they get caught on camera. They probably, they find like a handful of people a day okay. if that. Um, but again, um, I think cyclists need to lead by example and so what they're bringing in now and this will make a difference, so they're, they're planning on bringing this in, is time penalties. So if, if you're a cyclist, oh, nice. you get a 200 pound two hundred dollar fine no one gives a crap Um, but if you're getting a time penalty I suppose if you're just a back of the pack rider you probably don't care but if you're a front of the pack guy you're not going to be wanting to get that so I think time penalties is the way to go it's a bit like finding a footballer a couple of thousand pounds when they're playing in the Premier League they get paid you know hundred thousand pounds a week it's almost like penalties and and this is not just for footballers but like even like big corporations should be percentage Mm. Yeah. So like you, so much percentage of your yearly annual pay, mm. so you lose ten percent of your pay. Mm. Totally. Yeah. You know, or you lose ten percent of your profit from your business. It's a you know because as you say, often fines just aren't really that much of a, a pain. Totally. Yeah. So let's all try to pull up our socks and try to be a bit more environmentally friendly. Okay, uh, John Swimsuit. Okay, back in the pool. I had two weeks out of the pool because uh, we were on holiday last week, and so today's swim set was going to be a bit of a. The objective was a bit of an all rounder. 
and a bit of epic camp preparation. So we kicked off with 400 metres warm up, um, repeating 75 free 25 backstroke just to get the arms moving in both directions. And then we went 1,000, 800, 600, 400, 200, 100. The 1,000 was just a steady swim. The 800 was uh, alternating 100 hard, 100 easy. The 600 was... Hmm, what do we do for the 600? Um, I think you do I am. I don't know. I can't remember. I think that maybe we didn't do 1,000. We did an 800. 800 was steady. 600 was alternating 100 hard, 100 easy. The 400 was um, building the pace. So each 100 we got progressively faster. The 200 was an individual medley, so 50 of each stroke. And then we rounded it off with 100 metres butterfly. 100 metres butterfly is quite hard. At the end of a session? Yeah. That's how I'm going to make up my 2K on the weekend. All right. Yeah, I, I, I need to do 1,900, but I'm just going to chuck in 100 fly at the end. So the reason we did that is we have a 200 metre butterfly challenge uh, on Epic Camp, and so I wanted to just do a little bit of preparation. Not quite sure how I'm going to make 200 metres at this <laughs> stage because I touched that wall at the 100 and I was heaving, just getting the arms over. So 200 is going to be an epic challenge. Uh, and then we finished off with eight 100s. Uh, we did four just freestyle, getting about five seconds rest at a sort of moderate pace. We were doing them on the 135, so a steady pace, not moderate. And then four 100s bands only. And the reason for the bands only, A, it's good for you. Bands only is fantastic. If you don't know what it is, you're basically getting a, a, a car tube that's been cut into strips around your ankle, forces your, your lower body to stop working and really helps you to, to work on your catch a lot more. It's very, very hard. And we have a 1,000 metres bands only challenge on Epic Camp. So I just want to get a bit of practice in for that. So that was today's swim set, 100 metre warm down. Or oh, I didn't know what to do at the end of the swim, Bevan. Batteries ran out on my, my new goggles. Oh, no. With 150 metres to go. I was like, game's over. Don't know what to do. Don't, just stop swimming. Just, yeah. yeah. That's the rule. Yeah. Technology stops. It's like their bike. Yeah. Just stop biking. Stop biking. But I did keep going. So that was all good. Good swim. Okay, John. Uh, let's talk about patrons. Good you go old first. Arnold, the, the, uh, Arnold the Sleek Sheik Silikoff. You just got sleek there. I think I changed it yeah, to okay. Sleek Sheik. Okay. We've got David D Squared Doherty. And John, the Mount Snail Hancock. If you want to become a patron of the show, just go to www.iamtalk.me. Go to through the section where it says become a patron. Go through the process and you're supporting the boys. Put on a great show. Uh, there's gifts depending on your level of patronage and ultimately just help us do what we do. Uh, if you want to get show emailed to, you can go to the same website, www.iamtalk.me. Down the bottom of the front page, just put your information in there. So some great coaching, check out coachjohnnewson.com. You can check out my podcast. I released a new episode yesterday on the bevanjamesisles.com uh, for other cool websites like age groups of weeks cool websites and other stuff just email iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com John? Just on that it would be nice to have a few more age groupers yeah, yeah it was nice age to Patrick sent one through good work if you're yeah. a coach by all means send your people through yeah yeah. okay John what's your goss? Back from holiday had a week off in what was Kaushiro? the hi- five highlights of your holiday? Uh, there's a great restaurant called Smoking Barrel in um, Motueka, which is uh, sort of 10 k's, 10 to 15 k's away from Kaiteri Terry, nice. where we stay. Uh, that was a highlight. They had a great feed there. Best fries, best fries you'll get anywhere. They do these like pigtail fries, absolutely delicious. Oh, do you mean like the curly fries? Yes. Yeah, yeah, the ducks do them. Beautiful, beautiful. Crunchy. So that was right up there. Um, managed to have a swim on the last day. Ooh. Put on the. In the lake? I mean, in the, in the sea. In the sea. And we're, we're very early autumn. 
Uh, I suppose we're mid-autumn now, aren't we? Kind of technically are, but it doesn't. It only yeah. felt like it's come in the last couple Pe- of weeks. Put it this way: people are still skiing at the ski fields. Yep. I could have gone skiing and swimming in the same day. Yep. Uh, had an open water swim. Had the full thermal blue seventy helix wetsuit on that was keeping me snug. How had my gloves. Had the booties. Had the helmet. Got in there. It wasn't actually that cold. <sighs> and uh, I did probably did about a k. And it was I could have kept going if I had the time. Um, kids were in the water for bloody hours. They they both got Tommy picked up a wetsuit for like twenty five bucks off Trade Me, uh, so he was pretty happy. They were in there for ages. So the swimming was good, and then uh, mountain that's two mountain biking with the kids three. It's great mountain biking in uh, Kaiteri Terry. Uh, Come on, John, two more. Four. I've got one. I've got the fifth one. Four. Just not having to do very much work. Just had to keep on top of a few things. That was good. And five, it was my wife's birthday and I didn't fail too badly on What'd that What did you one. get her? Uh, she wanted uh, just a nice fancy apron. Which an the, apron? That was just a small one. Did she wear an apron? Well, just for cooking. I don't cook, so I don't you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but aprons I, are a good idea. But I failed a bit there because I got, they, they did this. The, the, the booby one? No, no. <laughs> I knew the brand. I knew what I wanted to get and then that was fine. But then they had the name engraving on the top, and she just said that, just took it all down. She says, it's tacky having your name on there. So she was Oh, like, named her name. You put Belinda on there. Got, get, get embroidered on there. Oh, John, you were trying, weren't you? Um, and then you she, thought, oh, I'll put a name on it. She got some fancy clothes, and then I got a picture frame with three pictures of the family in there. Oh, nice. And a bottle of bubbles. But your fifth one is the kids' race. What happened in the kids' race? Oh, so the kids had their race. So it got, they... they, they Every year, the top 10 from our province, they go off to this interregional and championship. And this is the first year you both your kids have got to this level? Yep. And Tom got selected because they didn't have our championships, but he got selected anyway because he'd won the next... He, he, yep. Anyway, he, he, he sort of got selected, but it's like, kind of didn't really make the team because he, he didn't have the chance to. He probably would have made it anyway. Yep. But he kind of had a little bit of a point to prove. Uh, and he ended up finishing second out of his year group, which was our region versus a few other regions. So that nice. was pretty impressive. Um, and then was, he, was he like pumped? He was pretty pretty happy. But they got to go away for the day and the night and stuff. That was he enjoyed the whole the, experience. Because John, we were going to do some fundraising when I was up north. Mm-hmm. And so what John did, being a good parent and teaching his kids about the value of showing value, um, the, the kids sent us emails if you donated. And, yep. you know, so, um, and <laughs> Thomas was like really loving the race. But we got to stay up late at, on the on the night that was like the highlight ruined the next day they stay up till four o'clock in the morning yeah that's great like when you're a kid two hours sleep. come on you remember it's like, it so was, much fun he was ill for like two days <laughs> afterwards and felicity got fifth which was a regular improvement from last year so good times on the kitty front nice, nice Bevan, job. what's happening for you well a few things have happened actually john so the first was the band recorded the album right yeah and i say our little device saved us a little bit right this our is Zoom. our recording device because the guy came so we got a guy called ren and John, in life, if you're trying to do something really important, you want to get someone who's A, ultra passionate, and B, knows like 200 levels of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And luckily, we got Ren, and he nice. was he was that guy. Oh, my God. This guy was just like a guru at sound engineering. Because mm-hmm. we, we, we were going to record at the library, because the library basically has a top-end production studio. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you can only book it for three hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And so basically, by the time you set up, you only get like 20, 20, 30 minutes recording. So right. he said, look, I've got all the gear. We can do it at your house in your garage. So come into the garage, mm-hmm. set up the old garage band, you know, set up. Yeah. And he came around and then one thing just wasn't working. I said, I've got this little device we use for podcasting. Cha-ching! <laughs> it worked really well. So if this becomes the number one album, John. I'll, I get commission. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I just can say, you know, it was used on the device. But um, it was a really interesting experience because when you're playing a band, 
one of the cool things about playing music is it's almost like you're you're speaking in a lovely language of people mm-hmm. because you're, you're using music in your instruments to create this thing but when you record oh wait a second oh Don't sorry move. you sorry. moved again i moved oh, sorry sorry uh when you record it's a real individual experience because a you've just got to play your instrument by yourself and i was always recording first so it wasn't like i even could use the backing tracks of the other boys um and then b it's more about just being really precise mm-hmm. because a just the recording process needs to be that way and he said you can record as a band just do one take as a band but it doesn't oh, sorry i'm moving in sorry team oh oh oh, oh sorry um but it just wouldn't be radio quality mm-hmm. and so we we do want to try to take this seriously so we did do it so it was kind of just an interesting experience i wouldn't say it was a fun experience but you know we recorded 11 songs john nice we aim to release them i don't think we'll release them till probably early next year because there's a bit of work to be done behind the scenes of marketing and stuff but it was i'm pretty proud of it you know like i've i always want to be i always want to be a person in life who you know, that saying of don't die with the music in you and literally mm-hmm. this is this thing. Um, so I'm quite proud of the fact that, you so know. So you're saying, so have you got, what people have you got on the band? Have you got a drummer? So we've got a drummer, yeah. a guitar singer and me. Okay. But I'm on the keyboards, but I do a lot of the bass work. Right. So some songs you'd listen to and you wouldn't think it's keyboard. You're literally just, just a bass player playing. Mm-hmm. And in other songs there's keys and bass and I'll do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and But you all recorded your segments separately and yeah. then you mash it all together. Yeah, and you basically got to use like a metronome. So there's a metronome playing mm-hmm. And you just got to make sure you're really precise. And I, I'll admit, some songs I wasn't that great at. And so you just kind of pick bits and then Ren would spin his magic and, mm. you know, you just copy and paste. And, nice. Um, but well, I haven't actually heard what he's going to do yet. And it's probably, we've still got another, probably another half day's recording just to tweak a few things. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. And definitely, I'll let you guys know about it. And, you know, I think we've got good radio rock songs. I think with our songs are, you know, they're, they're rock, but they are good kind of radio rock. So I think we've, you know, who knows? Music's a pipe dream, but we're going to put a hand up, John. Uh, went, went temp and bowling last weekend? Yes. Love a good bit of temp and bowling. Are you good? Well, I'm lucky. What, what do you normally, what's your score normally? Oh, I've got no idea. I, I would go once every f- four years with the kids. Yeah. My problem is, John, I think when you're temp and bowling fast, it's more important than accuracy. And it's a, not a good strategy. Yeah, I do like a bit of speed. Yeah, yeah I always smash go, them all over yeah, at once. Yeah, that's the strategy. As long as you get it in the right place. Yeah. But sometimes it goes in the gutter. Actually, often it goes in the gutter. Yeah. Although I got second, so I wasn't terrible. But yeah, I, I need to control my mm. control my need for speed. Mm. My need for speed. And then other than that, John, just no, looking forward to this weekend. I've got to say, half Iron Man. My strategy is just get it done. Got to get, remember, you've got to have some nutrition on board. Oh, yeah, I do, don't I? Yeah. Got a can I can borrow? Yeah. I've never used a so. can before. Yeah. You, can have, you can have some try on the can. Okay, there you go. You know what I always say, always try new things on the important days. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Coaching 101, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so we'll see everyone who's going to be doing the run or the, the triathlon this weekend with us. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Um, and other than that, we'll, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.